Good morning, Reach Church. All right. Kids can head to Reach Kids. All right. So uh, we are continuing in our series, uh, Kingdom Strength. And in this series, we're looking at primarily King David. Uh, he's not yet King David. We'll get there. But for now, he is uh, this warrior, uh, a boy who is not yet the king. And as one of the kind of most beautiful things about David is that David is a picture of Jesus. That of all the people in the Old Testament, uh, David represents Jesus. He is uh, the first in the line that would become the eternal kingship of which Jesus is the, the primary ruler. Uh, they share this heart of, of worship and of, of courage, of sacrifice. And so... Uh, as we look at David, we want to see not just, not just principles, but, but Jesus. Now, one of uh, David's primary and most probably important relationships uh, is his friendship with Jonathan. His friendship with Jonathan. This is one of the most remarkable friendships in the whole Bible, uh, probably in, in all of literature. This is uh, lifted up to like the, the pinnacles of friendship and two souls knit together as one. Now, we can take from this, then, uh, some principles for friendship in general. And as a, as a society and as a people, uh, we can struggle with friendships. Friendships are hard to build. They're hard to maintain. And so there are some things that can guide us in this text. But more primarily, we're looking, okay, what does it look like to be friends with the king, the savior, the victor, this one who would be the, the Davidic king, the one who would receive all of these promises, what does it look like for us to then be friends with Jesus Christ? What does that look like to, to enter into that kind of relationship? And so with that in mind, we're looking at, at three things. Uh, the foundation of a friendship. The foundation of friendship, uh, both generally and with Christ. The cost of friendship. And finally, the, the result of friendship. The result of friendship with Jesus Christ. So let's turn to let's turn to First Samuel eighteen. First Samuel eighteen, looking at verse one. First Samuel eighteen, uh, verses one through four. This is the the baseline. This is how uh, David and Jonathan become friends. As soon as he finished speaking to Saul, David. As soon as David finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took David that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt." Now, there's a lot more to this story, and we'll summarize and we'll, we'll walk through it. But for now, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have this picture of what it looks like to be friends with the king. And we thank you that, that we do have a great king who longs for friendship with those who who do not deserve to be in that place. And so, Father, we ask that 
we would build upon the foundation of, of who Jesus Christ is, that we would be on mission with him, that we would love the things he loves, have hearts for the things that he has a heart for. Father, that we would uh, be knit together, heart and soul, with Jesus Christ first and foremost. Father, would you show us how to, how to read this text in a way that gets to Jesus and that shapes our hearts. Would we love him more after this day, we pray in Jesus' name. All right, so uh, we have this, this knitting together of souls. We have this friendship that is established, uh, and it's really fast. It's really fast, and it always bothered me, like, okay, how, how do we go from, like, zero to 100 so quickly? Uh, it, has, like, the, it has the kindergarten feel, the kindergarten two, two kids who, like, show up, and, like, they're stuck next to each other looking at each other in the playground, and it's just, you want to be best friends? Like, yep, let's do it, and, and they're off. All right. It feels like that. Uh, I think there's more to it than that. And so to give you a little bit of background, okay, what was it? What was the foundation of this friendship that, that knit these two souls together, that made these, this David and Jonathan uh, so tight? Now, uh, first, we, kinda, we need to understand Jonathan. Now, if you don't know Jonathan, Jonathan is, is a warrior in his own right that we've seen him go to battle, and he's not just this, this random guy. And if we'd been reading through this whole book, which I encourage you to do, if you, want, if you haven't read First and Second Samuel, read through it. Read through it. It's actually like, it's like, I don't know, kings and, kings and betrayal and killing this guy, and that guy betrays him. It's actually, it's kind of exciting. They, they need to make it into a series. Um, but in... In chapter 14, we see Jonathan's military co- career, and he's fighting with the Philistines. The Philistines are the big, the big enemies of this book, and the two are camped apart from each other, and Jonathan, Jonathan decides, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go fight anyway. I don't need an army behind me, and he finds this group of, of 20 or so Philistine soldiers, a garrison, and he says, you know what? If, if God wants to, he can give me victory. And he said, verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. All right, who does this sound like? If you were here last week, this sounds exactly like David. What does he see? He doesn't see, he doesn't see 20 soldiers. He sees a bunch of uncircumcised who don't have fellowship with the Lord, who don't have the Lord's salvation on their side. And so Jonathan goes up and he receives a sign that the Lord, from the Lord that he should, he should go battle. He strikes down 20 Philistines. And that causes such chaos among the Philistine camp that all the Philistines start destroying one another. And the Israelites all like rally together come out from the caves, they're hiding, they're terrified, they're, they're rallied, and they defeat the Philistines. All right. Now, that Jonathan, that Jonathan then witnesses David and Goliath. David calling out, like, how dare this, this uncircumcised Philistine like, insult the army of the living God one who has greater faith and greater desire for the glory of God. 
And it's that foundation, that shared foundation of like trusting in the Lord's salvation and in fighting for the name of the Lord and in, and in, in not just believing it, but stepping out and being, okay, I will, be the, I will be the one that the Lord uses. That is the foundation for the, the hearts being knit together here. Now, there's some, some essential basic wisdom in that. And that's that friendship is not this relationship where like, hey, we're, we're gazing into each other's eyes. No, no, that's not how friendship works. This, this is a shared mission, a shared purpose, a shared love from the outside of themselves. For David and for Jonathan, it is this desire to see the Lord lifted up, to see salvation worked through their hands. And that's how they become this, this great friendship. Now, for us, that can be worked out in the church. All right, there's a lot of things that can be the basis for friendship in the church. All right, but there's only one that, that should be the basis for the friendships in the church. That is our mutual pursuit of Jesus, our love for Jesus, our desire to glorify Jesus, our mission to, to give people nothing but Jesus. And that's where if you're struggling to make friends in the church, or if you're struggling to feel like you relate to the church, it might be that you don't have that foundation right. And you're trying to build relationships upon all of these things that keep crumbling around you. Or we talk about nothing but Jesus for a reason. That is the foundation for our relationships. But, but, this is not primarily here to give us wisdom about friendship. At least not just friendships with one another. This is a special kind of friendship. And when Jonathan comes to David, he doesn't come on equal terms and say, you know what, like, hey, we, we both like the same things. No, what does he say? He, he's, he's declaring that this, you are far better. And if I love the glory of God, you love the glory of God more. If you trust in his salvation, you trust, like, I trust, you trust more. Now, if we miss that, then we can start reading this, this book and we think, well, where is my Jonathan? Where is my Jonathan to come come stand before me and say, you know, be my forever friend. You are amazing. And, you know, I've, I've been being amazing for a long time, and no Jonathan has come to find me as, as his ultimate friend. And some of us some actually read this and, and resent it and say, well, where, God, God's supposed to give me this Jonathan. All right, once again, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And when we see someone befriending the king, we shouldn't think first, oh, someone should come befriend me, the king of the king Peter in his, in his awesomeness. Uh, no, what should we think? We should think, okay, there is, there is an ultimate king, and I want to be his friend. I want to be his friend, and I have seen him work, and I have seen his salvation, I have seen his kingship, I have seen his desire for God's glory, and I want to be his friend. Now, with that in mind, how does this change? How does this change? This is the basis for a friendship with Jesus Christ. And just like Jonathan saw, saw David and Goliath, what is the foundation that we see in Jesus Christ? We see his working in defeating all evil and sin and Satan on the cross. That that is the thing that makes us fall in love with Jesus and knits us together in friendship with Jesus Christ. 
Because what's happening in the cross? All right, each and every one of us, we, we try to, to battle evil. And we try to battle sin. And we try to fight self-righteousness and pride and legalism. And we think that we can, we can work righteousness and do good. And the cross reminds us, like, no. There is one who is far better and who has defeated sin once and for all, who has destroyed death, who has, who has crushed Satan's head and cut it off. And we say, you know, I, I want to not get friends from the world. I want to be the friend of this one because I've seen him working. I've realized, you know, he is the, the friend and the king that I long for. That's what this passage is first and foremost about this great desire for Jesus. That Jonathan sees this, this Davidic king. He sees the, the whole prophetic vision, and, and we are called to enter into that. Now, some of you might feel like, okay, what if, what if I don't get excited about the same things that Jesus does? Maybe I have trouble like loving the things that he loves and desiring the things that he desires. seems like he... He hates sin far more than I do. He, he desires God's glory far more than I do. All right, I want to I give us this comfort, actually. All right. What is Jesus, like, on the cross, what is, he, what is he fighting for? What does he love? What does he desire? All right, he desires life and forgiveness and mercy and grace and justice and truth and freedom and joyful worship. And meaning and purpose. All right, Jesus is into the things that we're into. He just found the right way to do it, and he, he pursues those things to the, to the utmost. If we are looking for those things, if we love those things, then if we knit our hearts to Jesus, those are beautiful, amazing things. And if we have a friend who is pursuing those things wholeheartedly, we want to run with him. Amen? All right. Now, if you're convinced, you're convinced that, yes, I want this friend. I've seen him. I've seen his work. I see that he has done it far better. I, I want to follow. There's a cost to that. There's a cost to be friends with the, the king of the universe. And there's a cost holistically with every friendship that you have to you have to lay something down. Maybe you have to lay down like certain things that you like that they don't like. You have to you have to let those die. Me and me and my best friend, uh, he's the most competitive person in sports that I've ever met. It's so much so he just gets angry, and we had to lay that aside. It was like it's just not fun. I'm not your friend when we're doing anything uh, like sports or competitive related, and so like we lay that down. All right, that's what friendship requires. All right, laying things down, and we see that. We see that in, in the relationship between Jonathan and, and David. Verse 4. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. All right, what does this mean? What is he laying down? What is the cost of being the friendship or being a friend of this, this future king? 
I want to remind you, if you don't know Jonathan, Jonathan is the, is the son of Saul, the current king of Israel. And so what does that make Jonathan? That makes Jonathan the prince of Israel. He is the up-and-coming king. He is the future king. And so his, his robe, his robe is not any old robe. This is the royal robe. We saw earlier in the book that only two people had swords for a while. Saul and Jonathan. They're the only ones who had them. Everyone else was using pitchforks and, and clubs. That's all they could muster. And so this is the royal sword that he's laying down. This is the royal armor. And for Jonathan, the cost of being friends with the future king of Israel, the real king, the deserved king, is that he has to lay down his kingdom. He has to lay down his throne. He has to lay aside his father, Saul the king. <laughs> that one's mine, so I don't mind. <laughs> all right, he, he lays all that down. Now, what does, that, what does that mean for us? All right, you could get a wisdom principle and say, you know, you're going to have to lay things down. That's true. All right, but this is so much more about what does it take to be friends with Jesus, the king of the universe. It means that whatever claim we have to any throne, whatever dominion we have, whatever rule that we want to establish, we have to lay that down if we are going to be friends with the, with the real and true king. Now, we are not. We are not princes and princesses. That's where this starts to break down. All right, but we have all fought for little pieces of kingdom in this world. And there's a sense in which the, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness is offered to us. And that same offer that was given to Jesus is given to us in, in a peace. Hey, hey, would you like a, a kingdom in the kingdom of the world? Just bow down and worship the prince of darkness. And that's where we have a choice here. We say, okay, what am I willing to lay down? Will I lay down the, the robes of the world? Will I lay down the, the swords of the world? That is the cost of following a king and the cost of being friends with him. James 4.4. 4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. All right. That is the cost. Now we wonder, okay, uh, but what does it cost David? What does it cost David to, to receive this Jonathan as a friend? Now, it's, it's less than we'd probably expect. It's less than we'd want. And it's less than, than we ultimately get to in Jesus. For David, it's just remarkable that David doesn't kill Jonathan on the spot. All right, that's, that's, the, that's the great sacrifice that David, David gives to this relationship. Because if there's two kingdoms and there's two royal families, uh, when David steps into his throne, what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to kill every, every member of Saul's family because that establishes his throne that keeps anyone from, from challenging him. That's what he's supposed to do. But what does he do? He, he knits himself 
to, Saul, to, the, or to, to Saul's son, to Jonathan, the enemy. Which means that he is, he is intimately connected with, with Saul's house. He's in constant danger now. Uh, as, he, as he spends time with Jonathan, he puts himself more and more vulnerable to, to Saul's attacks. Countless times, Saul tries to throw a spear and pin him to the wall. All right, it's dangerous for, for David to have this friend, Jonathan. All right, but it's, it's nothing compared to the cost that, that it takes for Jesus to have us as friends. Because Jonathan, Jonathan is at least kind of on the same page. He's into the same things. He believes in the Lord. He's fighting for faith and for, for God's glory. All right, when Jesus found us, when Jesus found us, where were we at? All right, we were full-fledged kingdom of darkness. And we loved the darkness and we hated the light. And if you asked us before Jesus Christ called us, like, what were we all about? We were all about the kingdom of darkness. And we were all about ourselves. And as much as we might have been trying to to live for, for this God, we really were living for ourselves. That we were kings and queens in darkness. And that's where the cost to being friends with us was that Jesus Christ had to, had to turn us into the friends that would, would, be, would share his heart. And he had to turn us into new people. He had to, he had to change us from the inside out. He had to woo us to himself. He had to cleanse us from, from all the darkness and the sin. And that's where, remarkably, what does Jesus do? Jesus takes off his royal robe, and Jesus takes off his royal sword, and he takes off his royal armor, and he comes to, comes to this world totally stripped of all glory and all majesty and all kingship so that he can take on the crown of thorns so he can wear a purple robe and be mocked and beaten as the king of the Jews and nailed naked to the cross. Right, that is what he did so that he could be friends with us. So that he could cleanse us from our sins so that he could convince us that he is the true king, that he would fight the, the evil within ourselves. And that's where I'm not saying, okay, you, you muster, muster up, muster up this, this heart that, that loves and this heart that is into the things that Jesus is into and then, and then sacrifice everything because it's worth it. No, it's, it's remember that Jesus sacrificed first. Look at the things that Jesus has, has given us and put in our hearts and bestowed upon us at infinite cost to himself. And then ask, why would you not want to be friends with this, this king, this Jesus, this Lord, this Savior? John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. But you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. All right, that's where we are not the Jonathans. Jonathan went to David. David went to us. And he chose us to be his friends for, for all eternity. 
Now, what is the result of this friendship? What is the result of this friendship? First, let's look at, at David and Jonathan. The, the agreement, the covenant was that David would be the king and that Jonathan would be second in command. He'd be at, at David's right hand. Now, what actually happens? Now, tragically, David or uh, Jonathan goes to battle with Saul, who is under the judgment of the Lord. And Saul had received this prophecy that he would die in battle for the punishment for his disobedience. And Jonathan dies alongside his dies alongside his father, the the broken king. And we look at this and we say, okay, like. What happened? All the promises, all this, the covenant, the, the beauty of this friendship, and it's, it's broken then. Now, in the Old Testament, there's, there's ways to, to redeem these things. And so as a, as a pledge and as a, a covenant with Jonathan, what does David do? David finds Jonathan's one and only son. And he's... He's a paralyzed, totally destitute child who's crushed both of his legs in a fall. Now, according to the, the rules of the kingdom, this, this child is, is shark bait. He's chum in the water. He shouldn't deserve to, die, to live another second. All right, but David, because of the covenant that he made with Jonathan, because of his love for Jonathan, he brings this son, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. That's all your husband's favorite name. Yeah, you meet some boy named Mephibosheth. <laughs> Into that. <laughs> all right. Uh, and what happens to Mephibosheth? He, David welcomes him in, and he, he lives every single day. He eats every single meal at the table of David the king. That the faithfulness of David to, to generation and generation, that this child who deserved to die who would have died anyway, is now lifted up and presented as, as the, the apple of the king's eye and continues on for generations. Now, if, if we're Jonathan, that's a little discouraging because that means we're all going to die and maybe our, maybe our kids will get the promises. So maybe if you're like really good parents, that excites you. Um, but Jesus does far better. All right, so Jesus doesn't just do this symbolic act of, of giving, giving life and keeping his covenant. No, Jesus actually does it. And he comes as king, and he gives us eternal life, and he, he says, yes, you will die. Yes, you, you might die without coming to, to see my kingdom come to fruition. You might die before you stand at my second, second in command, but my covenant goes past death. It goes after death. And you will be resurrected to eternal life, and you will be with me for all eternity, and you will be at my right hand, and you will eat at my table every single day for all eternity. As long as the kingdom stands. Right? That's the result of this friendship. That is the great joy of being friends with Jesus Christ. That is his promise. And he is shaping us into friends of his. Who will, who will bask in that promise and enjoy it forever. And that's when, when we see that, when we see that, then we go back and look at these commandments. We say, okay, if, if that is Jesus, then yes, I want to share his heart. 
I want to love the things that he loves. I want to be on mission when he's on mission. I want to do what he wants to do. I want to align my, my soul with his. And secondly, like, I do want to lay myself down. I want to give him the crown. I want him to lead the charge. I don't want to be in control of my life. I want Jesus to be in control. But ultimately, like, we want to love Jesus Christ like Jonathan loved David. That's where the, the, the symbolism, it starts like, I always thought it was really weird. Like, this is a weird relationship. Why is he so into David? Like, this is a picture. It's a picture of who we should be to Jesus, that we should love him, we should delight in him, that our soul should be united to Jesus because it is. And living day by day to, to seek Jesus and love him and enjoy him. Knowing, knowing all that he's done and knowing all that he will do. Will you pursue friendship with Jesus for the, for the joy of having him as your greatest? That is, that is our prayer. Amen? Any questions? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this picture of what it looks like to to love and receive the King. And Father, I ask that you would change our hearts so that when we look at the, the cost of following Jesus, it would be nothing compared to the joy that is set before us, that we would love to, to lay our kingship down at the feet of Jesus that he may rule. And Father, would you shape our hearts by your Spirit to, to love the things that Jesus loves, to be on mission as Jesus is on mission, to have a heart that is after God's own heart. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has chosen us as friends. Father, we ask for those who do not yet have friendship with Jesus, that they may receive his friendship and may delight in having it, that they may lay their, lay their kingdoms and their thrones down and receive the kingdom of the one who's come. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name.